Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Solomon, the third and final king of a united nation of Israel, was given the spirit of wisdom from God. And wisdom was given uh, because Solomon had asked for it rather than wealth and, uh, or political prestige. And as a result, Solomon was known far and wide for his wisdom. He entertained guests from throughout the ancient Near East as they sought his counsel. It seems that Solomon, or more likely his court scribes, collected his teachings for posterity. And we have the collection of Proverbs. The first thing we're going to look at in Proverbs 12, verse 1, write this, the crucible of growth. And I specifically use that word crucible because because of its meaning. And I want you to read verse 1, and it begins to fall into place. The New Living Translation says, To learn, you must love discipline. You must love discipline. Not just like it, you must love it. It is, and this is the New Living Translation, it is stupid to hate correction. <laughs> I love the plain talk of the New Living Translation. And as you look at the Hebrew word there, it literally means the word translated. <laughs> Stupid, brutish, of no common sense. Now, how many know growth can come out of difficult situations and circumstances? I want to give you a definition for a crucible. They're going to put it up on the screen. It means, it means a situation of severe trial or in which a, a different elements interact, leading to the creation of something new. And I, I love that, leading to the creation of something new. The pain can lead to something new. The hardship, the, the, the discipline, the, the, the anguish can, can lead to the creation of something new. Crucible also referred to uh, a metal container in which metals or other substances are put in and then melted and subjected to very high temperatures. The school of growth. Proverbs 9.9 says, instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Write this word, uncomfortable. Growth can be uncomfortable. It's the crucible if you would, of growth. It can be painful. It can be uncomfortable. It takes 
acknowledgement. It takes ownership to realize, hey, what I'm walking through, though it's not pleasant, it's painful, yet I am determined for it to cause growth in my life. So the idea of the first half of this verse is that discipline leads to, to greater knowledge while the implication of what follows is that those who reject or resist or hate correction do not grow in understanding. And it's not simply that they make a, 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 a bad decision and reject and reproof, but that the results of their decision is that they end up being less wise. It takes away from them. They become less and less wise in their life. So it began to cause me to ask a question. Who can speak in to your life? Who do we have around us that can speak into our life? If we want to grow in wisdom and we want to, to, to be who God's called us to be, then we have to love discipline. Who can speak into your life? You need people in your life who can challenge you. Challenge you to think differently. Challenge you to go further. Challenge you to bring the best out of your life. Now, by virtue, church should be that. By virtue, Sunday morning services should be that. It should challenge us to call the best out of us. But, but yes, we have that corporately, but we also need that on a personal basis. We need that in our life. Who is it? that you have that can bring correction to you, can be honest with you, has your best interest at heart. Now, in order to have such people in your life, it takes trust. Write that word trust. It takes trust. You have to be willing to trust. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to be open to rebuke, to be open to correction. And that can be hard because we are easily offended. We are easily offended and we hold on to the grudge. But this is best done in relationship. So naturally a question follows, who then are you in relationship with? What relationships are you developing and what relationships are you growing? One commentary writes this, loving discipline like loving spinach is not easy. By definition, discipline and correction are painful because they force us to confront our motives and actions, admit our faults, pay for our missteps, and then try again. One might endure discipline, but love it, question mark. To be truly wise, however, requires embracing discipline with loving passion, preferring it to the comfort of self-indulgence. Those who prefer the latter are stupid, 
lacking even a minimal of sense. And the Hebrew word is brutish. So, the crucible of growth. Growth comes at a cost. Pain, discomfort, loving discipline, wanting people in your life that's going to see the best in you and draw it out. Which brings us to our second point. We're going to look at verse 11, and I've titled this point, Put Your Nose to the Ground. Another saying similar to that is put your nose to the grindstone. Verse 11, a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. A hard worker is going to have plenty. They're going to have bread. But one who is always chasing fantasies has no sense. Allow me to read this out of a couple different translations. The English Standard Version says, whoever works with his works his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. You see, there's a common theme here in this uh, Proverbs 12 uh, is he who lacks sense, he who is brutish, he who is not wise. The New King James, the Old English, puts it this way. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. So under A, write this, hard work versus fantasy chasers. Hard work versus fantasy chasers. See, in order for us to be successful, in order for us to have plenty of food, in order for us to to, to move forward in our life, then we must show up every day. And this is what Solomon is saying. You've got to put in the time. You've got to show up every day. You've got to put in the work. It doesn't just happen. How many remember your father telling you, do you think money grows on trees? In other words, you can't have everything is handed to you. You've got to learn the value of hard work. There are many things that go into success. There are many things that make success attainable and even possible. And at the core of these things is hard work. Getting out of bed, putting your boots on, and being ready to hit the ground running. Solomon writes, a hard worker has plenty of bread. You want something? You need something? You want to better your life, your circumstances? Hard work must be the key ingredient. It's important. You know what hard work does? Hard work creates a sense of value. That's a great word to write, value. After a long, long day of hard work, you look back and you value, you feel good. See, when you work hard, it creates a sense of worth. It affects your self-esteem in a healthy way. Its rewards is this. Its reward is plenty of bread. Other words, stability. Here in the Old Testament, that plenty of bread talks about stability in your life. 
And church, we need stability. We want stability. And Solomon says the wisdom is this. You got to work hard. You got to go after it. You got to get up and you got to diligently show up every day. So when you work hard, there are results, there's stability. The diligent person, he that tills his ground, shall have plenty of bread. Now, this is not the admonition to follow agricultural pursuits, but it's an endorsement of the value of hard work. Did you know hard work is related to one's spirituality? Do everything you do, Paul said, as unto the Lord. Don't work as unto others. Work as if you're working to the Lord. So we should be giving our best every every day. The person who follows vain things, an example, non-productive pursuits, is void of understanding. In the context of Proverbs, it's unwise, lacks understanding, does not display wisdom or prudence. Other words, he displays moral weakness and depravity. He puts empty pursuits ahead of making his living secure and therefore ultimately comes to poverty, has lack, because there's not the pursuit of that hard work. Now, this is a principle that applies in every aspect of our life. We should be showing up. We should be working hard. We all want to be successful. We all want to have uh, plenty of bread. But we have to be willing to work hard. Now, let's talk about the agricultural setting because it's the context. There's a few things to understand about the agricultural setting. Things do not plant themselves. You ever notice that (laughs) you want a garden, it doesn't just appear. You want beautiful flowers, it doesn't just happen. Somebody's got to put the seed in the ground. Somebody's got to till the ground. Somebody has to do something. Another thing is this, the end result, the harvest largely depends on prior preparation. So in farming, there are seasons. There is work in each season. You have to get ready for the preparation season. You got to get ready for the planting season. You got to get ready in the maintaining season because you know harvest season is coming. Now, let me give you an important note and observation. The previous season prepares for the next season. Or the season you are in now is preparing you for the season you are headed to. So you got to really ask yourself, what am I doing today that's going to lead to plenty of bread tomorrow? What am I doing today that's going to lead to the harvest tomorrow? The harvest is going to come, good or bad. What am I doing right now in order for there to be a healthy harvest tomorrow? I got to show up today. I got to show up tomorrow. I got to do what is necessary in order that I can obtain what God wants me to have. Proverbs 20, verse 4, those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. You know, I love Proverbs because it's kind of like James. It just hits you, boom. I mean, it's just straightforward. 
Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Under D, write the word rainbows. <laughs> there are those who work hard. They have plenty of food. And there are those who's just chase, chasing the rainbows. Chasing the rainbow. Hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. He that followeth after vain things, and the Septuagint translates it as empty, useless, useless employments, prof, profitless business, in contrast to active labor on the land. Chapter 14, verse 23 says, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. I have seen people talk it. They talk their good game, but they're not doing the daily things necessary. You just got to show up. You got to keep planning. You got to keep doing. And the Lord will bless your efforts. There are principles. Church, when we were at Adair Street, we couldn't jump to what we see here today on the property and what we see at end. We had to take one step at a time, but what we were planting then, we're reaping the harvest today. And that is so important. Sometimes we just want to work straight to the harvest. We want to get and jump straight to the, to the benefit, but what's going to bring the benefit is you got to show up every day and you got to do what's in that season. And what we're doing right now is preparing for the season season five years from now. We're preparing for the harvest six years from now. So we're going to keep showing up. We're going to keep tilling the ground. We're going to keep planting the seed because we're believing God for a bigger harvest, a better harvest. See, the Lord rewards hard work. He rewards those things. We want success. We got to do things that lend ourselves towards success. And in a farmer, there is never a season of just sitting back. Even after the harvest, you began to look toward the time when you're going to till the ground, break it up. And that breaking up that fallow ground, you're looking forward to the time you're going to plant. And then when you get everything planted, you don't just sit back and wait for the harvest. No, there's the maintenance. There's the, the plowing to keep the weeds out because there's always something coming to try to steal your seed. There's always something coming to try to steal your harvest. And if they can steal your seed, they can take your harvest. But if you keep showing up every day, you keep working hard, you don't chase dreams, you don't chase fantasies, you don't chase the rainbow, but you realize you just show up and God will begin to bless, God will begin to work, and you'll find yourself in your harvest. It says, he who chases rainbows... Fantasies has no sense, is void of understanding. He not only, as implied, will be reduced to poverty, but shows moral weakness and depravity. Now, another idea is this. A farmer, entrepreneur, has no one telling them what or when to do something. It is more about reading the seasons, the times, identifying the opportunities, asking questions, seeking advice. See, to be an entrepreneur, you got to really be self-motivated. 
takes a whole lot of self-initiative. A person given to chasing fantasies, pie in the sky, frivolous endeavors will miss opportunities, end up in poverty as one who lacks understanding or sense. Again, the Hebrew word means brutish. A similar verse is found in Proverbs 28, verse 19. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. See, a hard worker breaks up the ground. A hard worker in the farming sense will plant the seed, the water, and they'll wait patiently. Chasing fantasies, looking for results without labor. They're looking for the easy road. Fantasy chasers want something handed to them instead of working hard for it. One commentary writes this, chasing, an intensive verb from meaning to pursue frantically. Chasing fantasies, things that are empty and worthless, either mentally or physically, does not get the farming done, and so they lack food. To neglect one's work while thinking about other things show a lack of judgment. Church, I want to be wise. There's the crucible of growth. There's the, the pain. The growth comes from, from walking through some hard things. And, and a person who's given to a growth mentality realizes they got to love discipline. They got to love it and they got to say, okay, Lord, whatever in my life needs to be worked out, I need you to work it out. Lord, I put myself on the anvil. I, I ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things and to bring people in my life that's going to help me get to where I need to go. But you also got to be willing to work hard. You got to be willing to show up every day. You got to say, I'm not going to chase the rainbow. I'm going to be faithful until the Lord blows my mind. I have not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered to the heart of man what the Lord's prepared for those who love him. Can you say amen? Proverbs 28 verse 20 says the trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Verse 22 of that same chapter, greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. The contemporary English version calls these people daydreamers. Scott has an idiomic uh, rendering that serves well in English. Says, but the, but the unwise spend his time chasing rainbows means to be busy and unrewarding activities. Did you know the Holy Spirit will guide you into activities that will bring a reward in your life? Ask Holy Spirit to help you. Ask Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you. Can you say amen? The truth of the matter is this. Faith and work go together. Which brings us to our third proverb, verse 18. I've titled this, Words of the Wise. Some people make cutting remarks 
but the words of the wise bring healing. Oh, I like that. The word of the wise bring healing. The old English says it this way. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Write this under a reckless words. Words are powerful. Words carry much force with them. The truth of the matter, Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue can bring death or life. And the words we speak have the ability to plant or uproot. And Solomon uses the analogy of a sword. He said words can pierce. They can pierce like a sword. Words can cut like a razor or a knife. The verb in the first line contains the idea of harshness. They blurt it out. And the contrast of the second line is the idea of thoughtful words. One given to say just what's on their mind. One given to say whatever comes to their mind is given to sharp words, but the one who is given to wisdom, their words bring healing. See, we got to slow down. We got to give thoughts to our words because your words are powerful. Your words can plant, your words can uproot. Not only the words you speak to others, but the words you speak to yourself. Are the words you're speaking to yourself planting seed? Or is it always condemning and uprooting, tearing down? Sometimes the self-talk you have is so negative in nature that you limit your ability to succeed because you don't believe it in yourself. You have to believe God can do all things through you, through Christ. Be a promoter, write this word, of healing. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promote health. Promotes healing, the old English. Words of the wise bring healing, the new living translation. And that Hebrew word for healing is also translated cure or remedy. Your words are like medicine. The wise allow their words to bring healing to situations. Think about the circumstances you are facing today. Think about what you're walking through right now. A wise person will say, how can God use my words to bring healing to this situation? How can my words be like medicine that will bring health to my family, that will bring health to my circumstances, that will bring health to others around me? See, the New Testament is filled with examples and exhortations, exhortations that you're to speak and sing psalms one to the other to encourage one another. See, the wise realize the power and the weight of their words. But the foolish just speak what comes to their mind. They just throw it out. They just blurt it out. And their words are like a sword that cut and pierce and bring damage. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go behind people 
and try to explain what I hope their heart was and that their heart was really in the right place when their words were saying something else. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go behind Christian people, church people, and try to smooth out words that were spoken just hastily. Brought hurt and scars. I deal with people years later that still are dealing with a word, an ill word spoken at the wrong time. The wise understand that your words are powerful. Your words have the ability to bring life and health. But on the other hand, words can kill. Words can destroy. Words can cause a person to spend a lifetime in counseling. Because in our brokenness, in our fallenness, this is human nature, in our fallenness, we gravitate to the negative more so than the positive. And you know how it takes so many more positive words to overcome that one negative that one thing, and if somebody is broken just a little bit in their psyche, and they've, they've been in an abusive background, then that negative speech by people they respect really hurts them and sticks with them. And the enemy, who is the accuser of the brethren, will take that and create a stronghold in that person. So the wise will say, Lord, I don't want my words to be hurtful. I want my words to be life. I want my words to bring encouragement. I want my words to be like medicine. I want my words to bring health to the situation. Proverbs 16, 24 says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Proverbs 15, 23, everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to say the right thing at the right time, to say the right words in the right situations because your words can bring healing. Your words can bring victory. Your words can bring out the potential in others. May our prayer be like the psalmist prayed in Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing, acceptable to you. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we need you. Lord, we want to walk among the wise. God, we realize our tendency to be brutish, our tendency, Lord, to be unwise. God, help us to pursue your presence. The crucible of growth 
mixture of all these things that can bring new creation, something new. Love discipline. Seek advice. Be willing to undergo the pain of correction. Put your nose to the ground. Commit to hard work. You'll have plenty of bread. What are you doing in this season today to prepare for the next season? Words of the wise. Use your words to build up, to bring healing. Saints, are you ready to grow? Are you ready to surround yourself with people who will challenge you? Are you ready to submit to the Lord's discipline? Quit chasing fantasies. Put your nose to the ground. Work hard. Show up every day. Show up in your marriage. Show up as a father and a mother, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Saints, are you ready for God to change the way you talk, you speak? Will you let God use you to be an instrument of healing? Stop being a wrecking ball. See yourself as an agent of healing. May your words bring unity. May your words draw out potential. May the words you speak to others bring the best out of them. Can we all stand together?